What's up, Pain and Profits podcast listeners? I'm Darius Bell, executive producer of the pod. For today's episode, we bring to you a keynote that Samson delivered at the Accelerated Leader Summit of this year that we put on with Clearly Acquired. In the talk, he talks about the changing guard of business and how entrepreneurs can understand how the world of 2030 is going to look radically different than it does today and what that's going to require. So grab a pen and paper, open your favorite app for note-taking, and enjoy today's pod. Okay, who recognizes this guy right here? Show of hands. There's only one guy. Y'all better know who that is. That's S. Truett Cathy. You just ate his delicious chicken sandwiches. <laughs> the Lord's chicken. <clears throat> so in 1967, S. Truett Cathy founded the very first Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, they have now gone on to be the largest uh, fast food chicken chain in the entire country. They have 2,600 locations. And over the last 56 years through seven recessions, while being in what is considered one of the hardest industries to attract and retain talent, they have managed to increase their revenue every single year. And they've done that while being an openly Christian company who's closed for 52 days a year. How do you do that? Well, I hope to impart that on you guys today. For those of you who don't know me, everybody in this room is probably separated by one degree of separation to me, which is Really cool. So a leadership lesson that I didn't plan on, but we all have a ton of influence, a lot more than we actually would anticipate, right? And three months ago, when we decided that we were going to do this, we set out with this goal to basically pour into our community of entrepreneurs because we do a really terrible job as entrepreneurs of walking with other entrepreneurs. And it's incredibly lonely when you're at the top. So the point of this is you're around all the people who are walking the same path on the same journey, and these are the people that you should be networked with I'd like to think that if you're connected by one degree of separation away from me, that these are all your kind of people. And, uh, and so as you leave here today, connect, business cards, so on and so forth. But my story starts about 15 years ago. So 15 years ago, I graduated on a Friday with a degree in human physiology, and then I did the total logical thing. I walked into a stocks and commodities brokerage on the following Monday. Um, but I've been in business, real estate, entrepreneurship. I've uh, worked in marketing, technology. And uh, now I have a couple companies. Um, shout out to Joe. He is on the leadership team at one of my companies, Pursuit. We, were, uh, we got a private training facility here in Northern Colorado. And I spent building my entire career basically on the back of people, processes, and systems. And um, I think at one point in my career, I was hiring at a clip of about 150 people a year. And I think my lifetime resume for hiring is approaching close to 500 people. So I, f- I feel pretty well qualified today to talk to you guys about leadership, and building incredible teams. Um, And if I had a dollar for the amount of times in the last year that I've heard the phrase, people just don't want to work anymore, would I at least be able to get the large at Chick-fil-A? But it's enough, it's enough times that it's, it's too frequent that you can't like neglect it, right? And when we hear something like that, we have the option to, you know, reject it, accept it, or go a little bit deeper. Um, who's heard the term the great resignation? Is there that? Maybe said in another way, quiet quitting. I thought it was just quitting, looking for a new job. But um, <clears throat> And so what I discovered is actually a small shift in perspective that's going to make a massive impact in your company. And if, you, if you're like me and you don't like to play small and you want to go on to build a, a, a big team, then I think this is incredibly important for you. Um, and it's ultimately going to determine whether you survive or thrive in, in 2023 and beyond, because the market is shifting. 
we are experiencing right now the largest shift in our economy, in our culture, and the way that work is done of our lifetime. And the good news, we've actually been here before. The bad news, none of us are alive to actually experience it. They're calling this the grace, the great resignation, and all this energy is like placed on the, it's the employee's fault. But the reality of this is, is this is actually a great reckoning. This has nothing to do with the employees and has everything to do with us as employers. I love history. I actually, I love to study it. I love to try to determine its wisdom so I can impart it on the future, specifically as it relates to culture, financial, and economic. And I love this quote from Mark Twain. He says that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does tend to rhyme. And um, our story actually starts 100 years ago. So 100 years ago, we were in the Roaring Twenties. Who's heard that before? Show hands, right? Does anybody know what that actually means? The Roaring Twenties, it was roaring because it was a booming economy. We had mass consumerism, right? The jazz era, the Harlem Renaissance era. Um, And it was just, it was a a really high time until 1929. What happened in 1929? The stock market crashed, right? And one year later, we were at the outset of World War II, 1930. So this was a time of incredible, incredible hopelessness, job loss, inflation. Who who's seen the picture of pushing the wheelbarrow of money to go buy bread? That was this time, 100 years ago, right? People, everything that people had put their faith in, their, their, their job, the economy, right, so on and so forth, had actually failed them. And <clears throat> it sounds pretty familiar, right? Interestingly enough, 16 years later, 1946, end of World War, was actually one of the greatest times of unity and American pride in our history. This is actually the time that immigrants dropped the hyphen. And if you don't know what that means, they were no longer Italian Americans. They were no longer Irish Americans. They were no longer Greek Americans. They were just Americans, right? This is also the, gener- the, the time period that uh, raised my grandparents, and it, it birthed my parents, the boomer generation. Now, the boomers have been at the helm of business and entrepreneurship for the last 40 years. Interestingly enough, here's a fun fact, by 2030, every single baby boomer will be o- over the age of 65. We're currently entering the largest wealth transfer in history, seven trillion of which will come from entrepreneurs as they pass the torch to the next generation. So the the change in the workforce that we're experiencing today is actually a a passing of the torch, a changing of the guard. Autocratic management and leadership style is dead, right? Individualism individualism is at an all-time high. Um, Capitalism, sentiment about capitalism is really bad, and I think you guys will start to understand why. And there's a an incredible amount of uncertainty amongst our communities and our employees. Who's felt that, right? I mean, you can't be alive in the last three years and not experience that. And the world in general is looking for leadership. So it's actually, it's not that people don't want to work anymore. They just don't want to work for you. 
So we have to ask ourselves, why don't people want to work for us anymore? About every 100 years, a generation is born and a generation leaves this earth. It's called the generational cycle. 100 years because that's about the average human lifespan. Every 20 years within that 100-year cycle, we have a turning as one generation is ushered into the next phase of their life. Children become young adults. Young adults move into midlife. Midlife move into elderhood. And those that were in elderhood pass away. So what we're actually experiencing today, 100 years later, is the end of a generational cycle. Simultaneously, a passing of the torch and a changing of the old guard. And like clockwork, this has happened throughout history. Every single generational cycle ends the exact same way. It ends in a crisis. Why do crises happen? A lack of leadership. So we're still operating under this old mindset, this tone that was set by the boomers. But the reality is the market has shifted. So there's the way that we want it to work. And then there's the way that it actually works. Who's heard of game theory before? I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think it's important. Game theory. So there's, in the world of game theory, there's two types of games. There's finite games. They have a specific set of rules, right? There's a determined winner at the end of the game. If we make any changes to the rules, everybody has to agree on that before we move forward with the game. And then there's infinite games. Infinite games, life and business. There are no rules. The rules are only changing, always changing. And just when you think you got the rules figured out, the game shifts, right? That's where we're at. So if you're a leader, an entrepreneur, and you're in business, you better get used to it. This is what you signed up for. 1983. I was born in 1985. How many 1980s babies are in the room? All right, let's go. 1983, the internet was invented. And that's the same time when all the boomer generation was taking over as entrepreneurs. So for 40 years, we've had the internet. For 40 years, we've had boomers at the helm of entrepreneurship. 20 years later, about the time that we, us 1980s babies were in high school and or graduating. I graduated in 2003. The very first remote job came online. And then 20 years later, at the end of a generational cycle, voila, guess what happened? COVID, war, inflation. History, not necessarily repeating, but it's sure starting to rhyme, right? So first, I just want you guys to know, for anybody in this room who thinks that remote work is a fad, newsflash, it's been around for 20 years. It's not going anywhere. So what you're experiencing today, for all those people who think that it's just a flash in the pan, is actually a great awakening. If you've never heard of this idea, then I'll explain it to you and it'll make sense. There's this interesting phenomenon called the law of diffusion of innovation, And basically, it says the first 2.5% of any population with any innovative product or whatever that might be are the innovators. Those are the people that came up with remote jobs. Then you have 13.5% of the population that are the early adopters. These are the people that are perfectly comfortable making decisions based off of what they believe about the world. These are the people, like millennials who grew up with the internet for the last 40 years, who are perfectly comfortable working in a remote world. Then you have the Early majority, the early majority won't try something until somebody else has done it first. Then you have the late majority who won't do it until somebody else, until, until the early majority has done it. Then you have the laggers. The only reason that laggers have mobile phones is because you can't buy pagers anymore, right? 
They're just forced into it. <clears throat> and can anyone guess how long it takes to achieve mass market saturation of a work-altering innovation like remote work? 20 years. Oh, <laughs> right? And if you still don't believe me, just jump on LinkedIn Jobs. There's 386,972 remote jobs, 100%. Of those, 166,681 are mid-level senior jobs, and 13,268 are executive-level jobs, some of which are C-suite, 100% remote work. I hate to break it to you, this is not a flash in the pan. Simultaneously, all living generations are entering their new stage of life, and we're ending a 100-year cycle. <clears throat> Boomers are retiring and the millennials who grew up with the internet, social media, and were teens when the very first uh, online jobs came online, are taking over as the new guard. Now, simple question. This is a layup, guys. Can anyone guess who makes up the mass market of the workforce in the United States? Oh, boom, nailed it. You guessed it. Millennials are the largest generation that is currently in the U.S. labor force. So why does this matter? Because history doesn't repeat itself and it tends to rhyme. You see, for the last three years, we've had more people move and change jobs than any other time in our lifetime. Everything that they've been putting off, they've now capitalized on, and they've made a really big decision that time is more important than money. Making money is no longer the most important thing to your employees. And if that's all you have to offer them is money, they will go elsewhere. Especially a, a generation that grew up being told to go to school, get a degree, work hard, and retire only to watch the world blow up three different times in their lifetime. I don't know about you, but I went through Y2K, aka the dot-com bubble, 9-11. Uh, I graduated on a Friday in 2008, three months later as a newly crowned broker, and the stock and market fell 777 points in a single day, and then we all just lived through, through COVID together, right? So your workforce is prioritizing how they're spending their time on a day-to-day -day above all else. And so in other words, what I'm trying to get at is that we're doing a really terrible job of giving people a reason to work for us other than money. <clears throat> so we got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. For those of us who think that people just don't want to work anymore, Right? Our employees are weighing the cost of working for you against the value of their time. <clears throat> and I know what some of you are thinking right now. Right now you're like, this dude's nuts. He wants me to create remote work. I don't want to have a remote company. I don't want to have a remote job. My business doesn't support that, right? I'm a mechanic. I'm a contractor. I'm a roofer. I'm a, you name it. Don't miss the point. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. Our careers are the one place where we spend more time than any other place in our life. More time than we spend in our community, with our families, in our church. And so what is so special about our place that people would want to trade their time for money in our organization? That's the point. Culture. And I'm not talking about that fake culture, right? The, the branded t-shirt, the ping pong tables. Who's experienced that? Beer on Fridays, right? Or sometimes people think it's like, oh, we're, we're just connected culturally because we're all on the blue collar. 
That's not culture, right? If you, culture is not what you do, it's who you are. If you have to say it, then it's probably not culture, right? Those cliche sayings that people put on their walls, oh, this is what we subscribe to. That's not what I'm, that's not culture. So in order for you guys to know what actually is culture, let me first explain to you what it isn't. We've gone, a, we've gone a, through a full generational cycle. When people came off of World War II, there was a ton of American pride. People were excited to work. We just came out of the Great Depression, right? So all the people who you hear are saying people just don't want to work anymore, they're under the assumption that working is the American thing to do. That's not why people work. For the last 40 years, we've been focused on three things. Production, customer-centric product-led growth, and replaceable autocratic leadership. What does that mean? Production, it's about speed, it's about bottom line. Customer-centric product-led growth, the customer is always right. We gotta do whatever is best for the customer regardless of how it affects our employees. And you know what? If Daniel doesn't wanna do it, then I'll just find somebody else who will. That feels terrible just even saying that out loud. And if this is our mindset going forward, we're not going to make it as entrepreneurs. And there's no way for us to build incredibly successful, healthy, thriving companies. So I want to give you a perspective shift. This is the important perspective shift that's going to make a big impact in your business. And I want to give you three timeless lessons or points in building a thriving culture under the new order. Here's a little fun fact for you. Do, you. do you guys realize that if Chick-fil-A decided that they were going to open on Sundays, just an extra 52 days a year, at their size and scale, that they would add $650 million to their top-line revenue? Whew. But they don't do it. Why don't they do it, Tim? They don't do it because it goes against their values. And more importantly, it would break the trust of their tribe. So timeless leadership lesson on how to build a thriving culture is values drive growth. Growth does not drive your values, right? It's not, hey, if we do more production and we make a better product for the customer and we just find people who will work so hard that we're going to grow. That works until a certain point, and it has worked. And all the companies who've, who've been subscribing to that for the last, let's call it 10 years, are now getting rocked by the great resignation and quiet quitting. If you go against your values, there's a ripple effect that can't be quantified, and it's a slow burn, but I promise you trust is like a forest. It takes years to build and seconds to burn it down, which takes me to timeless leadership lesson number two. You got to be employee-centric. People don't work for you because they have to. They work for you because they want to. That's a big difference. They're choosing to give us their most precious resource, which is what, Rob? Their time. So if you actually listen to That's True at Kathy talk about the business that he was in, he wouldn't tell you it was the chicken business. He would tell you he was in the people business. Right? It, wasn't, it wasn't just about revenue for him. It was about supporting and encouraging other people. And he literally wanted to have a business model where the person who came in and mopped the floors could one day actually own their own Chick-fil-A. Wow. Are we building those kind of businesses? Wow. And I hope I've imparted on you that 
There's an incredible amount of options available to your employees now, and your vibe attracts your tribe. And if we're only giving them money, right, then they have 400,000 other options that they might pick from. And I watch countless companies that do this. They go against their core values. They destroy their culture because they're more focused on the bottom line than they are on the vibe of their tribe. Which leads me to timeless leadership lesson number three. Irreplaceable people. So the market has shifted. This is no longer an employer's market, right? If we were talking about real estate, this is no longer a seller's market. This is an employee's market. They don't work for you. You work for them. And the only person in this room who's replaceable is you. So they don't need you. You need them. And so we got to do a better job and do everything in our power to make the way that we, to make the life of the people that we lead better. And we do that by people, processes, and systems. Chick-fil-A has a process for everything. And they leverage technology. And everybody thinks it's to make the customer's experience better. It's to make the life of their employees better. So let's stop making the job of our employees harder. Can we agree to that? Ever been through a busy Chick-fil-A at lunch? Who's been, who's been to Chick-fil-A at lunch? Yeah, let's go. Right? That could be an extremely stressful experience for people, especially when you're making, I don't know, barely above minimum wage, if they didn't have a simple menu, a clear process, and leverage technology. Guess what the byproduct of doing that is? The people who they hired, their vi- the, the vibe of their tribe who they hired, can now do what they were hired to do, which is live up to the core values, not figure out how to work through your broken processes and systems. Does that make sense? Okay, Boomer. In 100% of the cases where I've met with people who say remote work's a fad or people don't want to work anymore, they have this Boomer mindset. Funny, funny comment. One time I had this like 11-year-old (laughs) on like Instagram or something. I made some comment. She was like, okay, boomer. I'm like, man, our youth is not educated on what a boomer is. Uh, But most of the time they reject, these people reject technology. They reject process simplification. And they have this keep it small, keep it all kind of mindset. It's, It's generally pretty selfish. And they've made this, they've put this responsibility on the employee to go and figure these things out. My response is, Okay, Boomer, like how selfish of you to think that it's their responsibility when they're giving you their most precious asset, their time, in order to help you build your company, right? Because finding people who align with your tribe, I know I've done it. I've hired more people than any other person in this room. It's an incredibly expensive process. And when you find somebody who aligns with your values, it's priceless. You can't put a number on that. At this point, you're probably wondering, what's in it for me? What's in it for you is loyalty, right? You see everyone in, the, in this room, when, when I talk about tripling down on culture and technology and making the life of the employee better, they want to know the number that they can plug in the spreadsheet to get the ROI, right? But the price of allegiance is intangible. 
And when you have employees who align with your values, who are, are doing fulfilling work, it's a palpable experience. If you don't believe me, just walk into Chick-fil-A and look at all the people making barely above minimum wage who are crushing it happy. I've never met anybody who's worked at Chick-fil-A who doesn't have good things to say about their experience and time there. That's the kind of company that I want to have. After World War II, for the most part, people had a pretty positive outlook on, on the work that was done. It's not uncommon today, right? If we're going through Walmart and you've seen a World War II vet, my grandfather was a World War II vet. I'm sure plenty of us in this room know people who, were, who fought in that war. They're still rocking, like this young man up here, rocking his Viet- Vietnam veteran hat. They're walk- rocking their World War II veteran hat, right? They were proud of the work that they did because they took down a totalitarian government and made the world a better place. Your employees want to make the world a better place. They want to feel like the time that they're spending day in and day out matters. So my question for you is, are you making the work that you do matter? Are you pouring into your culture? Because if the only thing you have to offer them is money, then everything starts to look pretty expensive. Okay, show of hands. How many people in this room have eaten at Chick-fil-A Less than five times. Less than five times. They're Canadian. You can't trust them. Um, How many people have eaten Chick-fil-A less than 50 times? How many people have eaten Chick-fil-A more than 100 times? Okay. So not including today, not including that little survey there for those of you who've eaten less, but when you go to Chick-fil-A, this is a You guys are going to play with me here. When you go to Chick-fil-A and you say, thank you, they say, my pleasure. pleasure. Yep. So my pleasure is a lesson in leadership and culture. It, It explains creating an intentional and compelling culture that begins with the employee understanding the company's purpose. Why does the company exist? What motivates it? And that is ultimately what you're selling and what your, cu- your customer, in this case your employee, is buying. So every time you break their trust, they question, what do you value? Money, power, status? This is why capitalism is getting a bad rap. Because we've been leading with this production, customer-centric-led growth mindset, and everybody's replaceable. If you don't want to do it, I'll just find somebody else. Well, you're about to get rocked if you keep rocking that way. I promise you. From the start, S. True Kathy based his company on biblical principles. This dude was doing servant leadership before some dude wrote a book about it and made it cool. Right? And literally, the company purpose explicitly states to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Every single leader in this room has an immense opportunity to make an immense amount of impact on the lives of the people that we serve. And I want to remind you that to whom much is given, much is expected. And as a leader, a life of servanthood cannot be rejected. We can't call ourselves leaders and entrepreneurs if we're unwilling to make the lives of all the people who we come in contact with better. So we have to change our time horizon. And if we want to build a company that's going to thrive, then we have to focus on building an irresistible 
employee-centric, values-led company and triple down on culture. And if we do that, then we can build a timeless organization that will last for the next 100 years.